Welcome to A Humanistic Perspective. I'm one of your three obliged hosts, Chad Castilla, and we are more than happy that you could be joining us today. We're going to go around the room and introduce ourselves real quick, and then we'll tell you a little more about the show and get going from there. All right, let's start down here. Hey, I'm Lily. I'm here today. Share, share something about yourself for the people. Just something real quick. Um, I'm in cannabis school. Maybe where school, you're at with your life, yeah. And I'm going to open a cannabis bakery. Cool. All right, Ethan. Well, good morning, Chad. Thank you for the intro. Thank you, Lily, for joining us as well. My name is Ethan, uh, and I'm more than pleased to be here this morning. I'm very interested in diving into this topic. So Yeah, sure. You want to share something quickly about yourself for the audience? Maybe uh, where you're at in your life? Um, sure. Uh, I'm 17 years old. I have three businesses now and a few other projects I'm working on, um, and that's about it. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. And my name is Chad Castillo, of course, um, one of your many hosts here on the Humanistic Podcast. Um, what am I sort of doing with my life? Where am I at? Fun fact, I work with Ethan, and we own a company called Prismatic Solutions. Um, so, yeah, we're more than happy to bring you guys a show today. So let me tell you and share you a little bit about what the a Humanistic Perspective show really is. Uh, so our show is really about a Generation Z perspective and take on this crazy thing that we call the world that we're living in. Um, and really, the show is just an opportunity for us to openly speak and really have some intellectual and critical conversations about the state of our world and really where we think we're going next. Um, so we're excited to give you a glimpse of into what w life like ours is and uh, what being an entrepreneur really is like um, from a young age and really living it. I think I think a major thing about the show is really showing that you live it and not just saying it, you know, doing it. So. So we're really excited for the opportunity and everything that we plan to offer to you guys with a humanistic perspective. Um, and now let's talk a little bit about the show, really the episode that we're looking at today. Ethan, you want to share everyone what the title of today's episode is? Uh, the title of episode one of the human perspective is Modern Medicine, the Future of Mental Health. Yeah. So uh, what we really are trying What's to get at mean? here with today's episode is analyzing, taking a deeper look and, and breaking down mental health and sort of uh, microdosing, psilocybin, LSD, MDMA, and other, other types of uh, psychoactive substance psychedelics um, for treatment and for dealing with mental health and dealing with depression, anxiety, and other things. So we're really excited to hit that. But before we get into that, we'd like to thank our sponsors. So this being our second episode and really the first episode for the public, uh, we have an episode zero if you want to go back and hear that. Um, we, we don't have a sponsor, and if you'd like to hear your ad placement here, or you really think that, that there's some value to be brought to uh, your consumers from, from having a placement here, we would love to share the show and uh, share the space with you. So if, if you're looking to contact us, feel free to reach us at a humanistic perspective at gmail.com. All right, uh, moving forward to our opening segment, we always like to start the day with just some good vibes and some coffee or tea. So I'm actually going to go around the room and pour out what we're drinking on today. Uh, today we have a special blend from Big Shoulders Coffee. Today we are drinking on their Bold Slugger flavor. So uh, very excited to try that here with Ethan. And uh, Lily, you want to share with everyone sort of why, why you're not drinking the coffee with us? Or what's okay. going on with that? So I don't usually <laughs> like coffee. I usually am more of like a green tea type of person. And a while ago, my family, well, my mom and my cousin Katie, um, started drinking this apple cider vinegar type of thing, and I like drinking it every morning just because it boosts my metabolism, kind of clears out my digestive system, if you know what I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> and it uh, just basically helps me just get through my day, it gives me a little boost of energy, kind of like the coffee does for you guys, but just a little bit different, and just 
kickstarts my metabolism. So basically what it is, is it's one packet of green tea, two teaspoons of apple cider vinegar, one teaspoon honey, and a whole lemon. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Wow. How have you, how has it been working for you? What are you, what are you thinking about it? Um, you know, when you're doing it consistently, you definitely can see results. You can feel your metabolism burning. You can feel the fat burning off of you while you're just chilling. But How long have you been doing that? Um, I've been doing it for a long time now. I actually can't remember when I started it, but it's just been on and off throughout the years. I definitely was going hard at, in November in the earlier months of the school year, but yeah. I fell off kind of December. Now we're back on the track. And mm. working out too. So. Yep, yep. We got up this morning. All of us hit the gym. Ethan, what time were you at the gym? Just to give people some context. Uh, I was at the gym this morning. I actually was late, um, but it was late because I was actually just doing research on some of the things we're speaking on this morning. So uh, I got to the gym around five, like five this morning. Yeah, uh, I swam from about five to I would say six, six. Oh yeah, like about six, six ten. Nice. Um, then I shower and. Then I head on over here to get ready for the podcast. So I usually start my days uh, around 4.30. Got a little bit of a late start today. so Yeah. Mind you, he said late start. Typically, my days start at like 8 o'clock. And <laughs> now I'm just like changing all of that. So now I'm getting up at 5.30 to 5.45 yeah, which with is you guys. Awesome. Yeah. Habit correction is definitely super important. Coming into the new year, Difficult. like it's, it's a great time, right? I, I don't necessarily believe in New Year's resolutions. But I do think that when, when we come up and we're starting something fresh and the feeling of like, all right. It's going to be a restart. We're going to go again. That feeling is just so rewarding and is a perfect timing. It aligns so well with like trying to kickstart or restart your habits. Plus, yeah. I'm just glad that I have at least a week until college starts back up again and I can mm. just be dead during the day and then next week <laughs> I'll be on a schedule. Yeah, right. Yeah, see, for me, I guess I'm not like a, it's not, not hard for me to wake up early mm -hmm. in the morning. It's hard, but. That's where you push yourself, you know, because you, but as soon as like I jump in that pool and I start swimming, it's like I'm awake, you know, yeah. and you yeah, feel alive and you're exactly ready to conquer it. the no, day. No, I was surprised the with how awake I am right now. I was like, damn, I <laughs> thought I wanted to it? take a nap. <laughs> 8 a.m. 8 a.m. We got a little bit of a late start because of showers this morning. But uh, so if anyone's wondering, uh, let's go for our first sips on this coffee. Let's give our first interpretations on camera. Yeah, go for it, Chad. I'm going to okay. wait a sec. Yeah, it's Second, really but hot. I guess I'll tell a little bit about my experience. So coffee for me, I guess, what my day looks like is about mm. when I get to about 9 a.m., I'm usually starting to drag out a little bit. So that coffee is just a nice refresher. Mm -hmm. um, mm. Usually after I get out of the gym, uh, I, I do like a protein shake and stuff just to kind of relax those muscles. It's a really nice flavor profile. It's pretty pretty mild, I would say, in its taste. Um, it's, it's, it's dark, so it's got a nice flavor to it. it it's not too... Not too overwhelming, but not too underwhelming also. It's got a great full body. Um, the perfect cup of joe for a January or a winter morning when you just are looking for your consistent. I could daily drink this. You know, mm. it's not too strong. This is, yeah, no, this is a this is definitely a daily drinker. This is a, you can have this cup maybe two, three times a day. Yeah, like yeah, a exactly. morning wake up. Yep, yeah. I was recently drinking uh, this Colombian coffee that was a uh, blonde roast, actually. So it was, mm. it was really interesting. And it was it was really bright. But it was one of those coffees. It was so strong. It just, just really roast. good profile. But yeah, do you know the difference between all yeah, the roasts? So I'm not familiar. Your black. I, I okay. think Chad's made my. I used yeah. to not drink black coffee. Yeah. So we're drinking. We're drinking a. We're drinking like a medium dark roast. So it's like your middle of the ground. Your darks are you tend to have more flavor, less caffeine. Your blondes have extreme amounts of caffeine. You still great flavor, but a different flavor. Usually brighter mm -hmm. notes. Usually um, more citrusy on the tongue, almost in a sense, and. Uh, 
yeah, so it will be exciting to experience throughout the show the differences in coffees. Um, and yeah, no, I, I really don't mind this. Like, Yeah, Ethan, actually, it was his first time today. He tried out French pressing, which is the technique that we use for, for brewing our coffee on set. It's just it's simple, and it, it's always a good cup of joe. Yeah, it really makes a difference when you grind your own beans. I mean, now I understand 100%. when people say, like, hey, Starbucks, Why the their fuck? beans are yeah. burnt. <laughs> Like no, literally, it, I, I, I hate to, I hate to be those people, but episode one, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna call people out, and that's just how it's got to be, because <laughs> uh, we're honest, you know. I, it's about transparency here on the show, and we're not big fans of Starbucks, not really. I, I, I actually used to be. I think before Chad mm. came back from college, I was at Starbucks probably twice a day, and that was Damn. when my brother told me, uh, "Why are you paying <laughs> so uh, twenty dollars for, for beans?" For two <laughs> right, like by the end of the week, you've ranked up a forty-five dollar tab, yeah. and you. You only had burnt coffee that was mostly yeah, sugar. Yeah, it's so tragic. That's so tragic how they just wrap people into that. Sure. But, but don't get me wrong. I think they're like, they that's like a good dessert marketing, place. Though. They do it very is. good marketing. Yes, yes, yes. I would marketing. say if I'm going for a flavored beverage that I want to be a sweet treat or something special, I go to, I Starbucks. Go to Starbucks. Yeah. It's actually, I I'd stay it, away from it's, it's honestly more of an experience, and I think people use yeah. it as more of a label. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's uh, That's something we'll talk about, too, hopefully more as we go on is marketing and an, yeah. and an effective brand and an effective use of that throughout a global presence. So. No, you just feel good drinking Starbucks just because of the brand label, you know? Sure. I mean, sure. And, and don't get me wrong. It's not like it doesn't, it doesn't taste good. But I, again, I think it's more of a dessert. Like if I'm going there, yeah. you can get a specialty drink. Well, there's like certain things that you can get that taste really good, you know, but just sure. the coffee itself typically it doesn't taste too good. But once you add all that yeah. sugar and everything else, it tastes fantastic. Now, Chad, what are we paying per cup of coffee here now? Uh, per cup of coffee. See, so this this is actually a Christmas gift. So I'm not sure, but it came in a double pack, where you got two two sets of beans to try from the Bold Slugger family. Okay, so line. that that size of beans, it's what about is it thirty dollars. I would okay. say I think that pack was like thirty five to forty five dollars. And we didn't even make a, a dent in it the first time. So that will yeah. last. That could last what a month. Yeah, my Easily. first pack. I just I'm almost out of. It's the Colombian roast from them, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's I'm I've I've still got probably half a bag and i've had it open for a month and i've been drinking it pretty much every other day i try not to do every day just because the break so we do the show monday wednesday friday and on tuesday thursdays i'm trying not to drink coffee because that one day break actually makes it more effective on the days i do use it and on the days i don't my metabolism tends to notice or i sure and that's just a tolerance to the caffeine yeah and it helps anything is gonna build up so all right, yeah, I think I think this is was a great introduction, and why don't we get into the uh, meat and the bulk of what this episode is? Sure. Okay, cool. Let's do Sounds it. Sounds good. So welcome to episode one of A Humanistic Perspective. We are today focusing on modern medicine and the future of what is mental health and plant medicine. So for a little background for everyone listening in today, psychedelics and a revolution in that industry is upon us in the United States and quite literally in a globally. Um, I, I, I see and not only see, but hear and have read tons and numerous arguments for psilocybin and other psychedelics uh, moving into the space for mental health with treating things such as anxiety, treating things such as depression, to helping... Uh, even with microdosing and, and helping with energy and boosting, similar to how we just were talking or about even with coffee, ha- having helping regular smokers uh, quit smoking. Yeah. Um, I I think it's qu- it's it's kind of crazy how far, um, how much more effective this is than certain other treatments for just 
regular smokers and you know what's quitting. interesting is that let's these give type some of, context too. yeah let's, these let's type of treatments have been around for generations it's been years. around for years and so cannabis is actually considered a psychoactive plant um when once you burn it and decarb it and so the cannabis um was way back founded in china i can't remember when but wuhong and mm-hmm. all them used to use it it dates back far right it's like 15th centuries type stuff and excuse my non-proper english while i'm talking about this sort of stuff but (laughs) (laughs) sure that's again that's the thing too is like this show is it's open it's about watching us grow over time the value that comes from these conversations and you're never too young to think of a topic that's that's intellectual or maybe above what you thought you could think about before because when you do push yourself to think that way you're gonna gain so much more in the end right but i mean if you just look at five articles and you start getting some mm-hmm. true background you start to but open your eyes i think a lot of it is just misguided and misled by right. the media no um and yeah. i think like when you think of if we were to bring up psychedelics around and maybe even in a school environment oh, you would be would frowned eight. upon they'd go yeah i mean i think people just don't have don't ever they don't not, have no, the I, right I think that people were i'm not saying no one i think it's a lot of the people are influenced differently and heavily by just different stereotypes around different things. And if you've noticed recently what with what we have going on, we're just going to talk briefly about this, but yeah. just the media is totally putting so many different things out there that it's so confusing for people even I mean, to I know what the truth know, is anymore. I agree completely. I, I don't even know when the last time I've watched the news. I mean, I, I, I can't, I don't. I, I mean, dating back in the United States, look, right, we came, we come out of this. All these cultures and all these other things use are, are using plant medicine and making all these great observations and, and de- declarations in the scientific field. Then we hit the 1900s, right? And, and then and it that totally is, gets is backtracked. Blah blah blah, this and that. And then you're right. Then we hit up the 1970s 60s. when yep. Nixon yep. decided to do what was that? The uh, the um, Controlled Substances Act, and and he basically yeah. put all these into Schedule One. He fucking felonized all of these substances which were previously for centuries being used as medicine and used for uh, things such as psychotherapy and helping treat people with their symptoms. And then all of a sudden, because why? Immigration control. Because your administration and your cabinet pushes you. It's literally he, he racism. Flipped. Yeah, yeah. Literally. It, that's what the principles are based on because even the research that they are coming up with to say that, oh, cannabis, LSD, and um, shrooms or psilocybin is bad. And it's interesting that all of the research coming back was saying, no, actually, it's not bad. It's really beneficial. And yet Nixon was still like, well, screw that information. Also, I'm we just need to talk say about, too, in it's the a 50s schedule one 60s, drug. The CIA during Project Midnight was quite literally using these same psychedelics to learn their abilities. What they were really trying to get at with that project was, can we use psychedelics to mind control our enemies? Can we use it how they might use it on us if they were to attack us? And all the studies came out with and showed was that these were actually being used and were helping people and were a breakthrough thing. So then, then uh, that project goes away or goes to the wayside, and all of a sudden, you're right, Nixon comes out and all this, and they start to, to fucking close things down because of agendas and because of wants and this and that. And frankly, it hasn't been till right about now, up until the, the late 2000s, um, that we have really started to see a shift and the conversation opening up. And I think a lot of that do, is due to the move towards legalized cannabis and and the move towards people discovering for themselves. What sure. I think one of the main things to point out too is in psychiatry, I, I don't think there's been many new drugs, if any, created since the Great 1980s. Point. I Great mean, point. You have, you know, SSRIs, 
right. uh, which is uh, selective serotonin rebutate inhibitors, right? And that that's was what we're using to deal with mental health right now. I, I mean, that was in the 1980s. There's been no new things. I don't understand where right. uh, you would you say, I mean, if, 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 if it was really that great, cars would still be running off the 1980s models, right? Like you would think, wouldn't all the industries want to? Medicine changes like all the time, and there's new research to back. Well, um, and, and the main reason for that, again, I'm sorry to interrupt there. No, Molly, you're fine. But the main reason, again, if we go to look at the Nixon Act, right, in 1970s, mm-hmm. and that's a large reason. I mean, with how far this stuff has come and the possibilities, I mean, if we were working on it for the, uh, over the last, you know, if we had it 30 years we were working on if this, we I mean, have been doing research right. for the last 30. If we could have been doing research, which after Think that after that law been. after that law passed in nineteen seventies with Nixon, I mean there was no money being poured into this. I mean the amount of people and topics you could bring up would you could count on one hand. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That would even 100%. be trying to research this or trying to figure out things. There there was really limited no money and and really at this point the only way to do research are going to be private companies funded or governments and and. Unfortunately, I mean, we talk about that loss leader principle all the time, and this is this is an industry with no exception to that. In order to really get case studies done, in order to be doing the valuable and effective data and research that needs to be driving this country, you have to do country, it yourself. You have to do it yourself, and you have to have the funds. And you have to look it at a bunch a of different articles if you're just doing research online. But what you're saying right there is with the funds is that's you're doing literally your own research of growing whatever it is that you want to be doing, and then you're taking it. And just seeing what the reactions are. And, you know, it's interesting that in the studies that they're talking about with the psychiatrist, they want someone there. But at the same time, the only way the LSD or the psilocybin works is if there's someone that you trust and love that's with you that you're able to talk about the experience with and that you feel comfortable with. Right. And I think it's again, we're not we're talking in minimal amounts. You oh, know yeah. what I'm saying? And in controlled It's only 25 to 30 milligrams. Controlled environments. Yeah, very, very minimal doses. And let's. Uh, I wanted to cite here some data and research that we had done. Um, so uh, if anyone knows, John Hopkins, one of the oldest institutions in the country, as of last year, has opened up a psychedelics uh, wing for ser- for psychotherapy and research deeper diving into this topic. And this I is mean, far along. Okay, now we're truly. we're talking about we have even things such as big pharma investing in these things. They're yeah. seeing that. It's there, I, I think there's transition. people there's people out there in this field that that see the benefits from psychedelics and how far that is, and they're willing to honestly. They need big pharma um, because there's no way to supply it fast enough. They there's have no the, chain. They have the market right. Gary V said it so well. I was listening to a, a talk of his, and he was like, right, while you build your product, what are you going to need at the end of the day? Get it in the hands of the consumers. That's what I have. Right. All of a sudden, you might have something, but I have all the value. And I think um, lots that are in this field That's that big are big pharma. Right lo- yeah, lots that are in this field and that are behind it see the benefits and are willing to allow big pharma just to do it because they want to, these benefits to be out to the people. Now, here's my biggest hope. Here's what, here's a big concern that I think we should really talk about. Similar with these 1980 SRSIs or whatever, the SSRIs, um, we got to do this in a way that's ethical and that mm-hmm. keeps the interest and the respect of these plants 
in mind. What do I mean by this? If we look and, at and the deserts we and we look at these shamans and everyone who who is doing psychedelics, they and do it medically. Ceremonies, they do it medically, but they do it leading with spirit first mm -hmm. and respect for the plants and respect for the I person. Mean, if you want to, you can even just go and look up some some people that have been done in these studies and cases. I mean, they've had life changing experiences. I, I, I wanted to. I uh, have too. I mean, the main thing is when you think about it, when you take a psychedelic, right? It's allowing your brain to connect and talk to other parts of your brain that never talk, right? Right. And the crazy thing is, in all of the research, the brain is showing foreseen connections being left afterwards, right? They're, they're not only are these people's mental states being adjusted in the short term, but there's quite literally new synapse firing in their brain, and it's making connections that are long-lasting. I mean, you can't tell me that's not interesting. That's not something that we should be studying more. Right. Elon Musk and them, they're so worried about synapse. They're so worried about these same processes in the brain. Well, if we can get something from plant medicine that gets us to produce effects, shouldn't we want to be studying that from more of a neurological level to really understand more? Sure. I mean, and this is huge. When you think about you can just look at this year alone, 2020 um, anxiety disorders uh, found in the United States. I mean, it's a, anxiety is within the How population. I mean, 18 percent of the population has anxiety. Okay, They're, they have an anxiety disorder just in the U.S. alone. Okay, in 2020, uh, prescriptions for anti-anxiety have increased by over or 10.2 percent from 2019. 10.2 percent from 2019 alone. Yeah, prescriptions from antidepressants have also increased in 2020 by 9.2 compared to 2019. Yeah, here we go. C cited directly from ADAA, which is the Anti-Anxiety and Depression Association of America. Uh, they say affect in the United States, anxiety disorders are the most common mental health illness, affecting 40 million adults in the United States ages 18 and older or 18.1 percent of the population which is insane. well and i think the biggest thing to point out here is pfizer uh one of the well 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 known yeah. brands i mean they've one of the big four of big pharma right i mean they've been a hold of all the antidepressant and anxiety meds for how many years right they're in control they're they're too far in control and i think that's the reason why some of this stuff hasn't been developed so far sure. um and i think Something that's really substantial um, is, you know, people right now when they're taking these prescribed medications that they have for antidepressant and stuff like that, after just taking it for two weeks, they can build a tolerance for it, right? It's a tolerance just like nicotine is, okay? Right. And with right. that with that tolerance, you know, there's withdrawal symptoms. If you want to ever stop from that, there's withdrawal symptoms. So now you're held to this drug. And I think we have to realize right now this is so large. I mean, the amount the big pharma can't even keep up with the demand of the prescriptions going out for antidepressants. Right. Okay. That's that's that's. I don't even understand. I don't even understand it. Right. It's like it's like when 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 are we gonna stop? Like this can't be the best solution. If it if it's just requiring that more people start doing it and get on it and stay on it. Is that really a solution, or is that just trying to come up with a, a mediary solver? Right, and if we call a solution uh, with a drug that has side effects such as suicide thoughts, dizziness, drowsiness, vomiting, and insomnia, among many others, 
how is that a solution? You know, we should point out the <laughs> fact that psilocybin does have some after effects that may seem That's negative, true. whereas some people don't always know it's, how, it's or um, LSD, you don't know how these people are going to react to it. And you have to be really safe, in particular uh, with, I um, uh, forget the exact term for it, but people sure. with schizophrenia or bipolar that how um, they group, handle these substances just how their mind is how it just goes everywhere and you can just flip on a on a dime that those sort of people i forget the exact category name for those yeah. disorders those people you have to be very careful with dealing with psilocybin and stuff like that because they could just flip sure so and you I'm don't saying, know what's going to happen psychedelics or something you roll out immediately right now no and no, that's and why this that is, is a the very thing where long I said the ethical thing yes. I, this can't be like ssris where you run to walgreens and you just fucking grab it at the counter no right? it has to be something that you do with loved so ones that you have work? a psychologist a psychiatrist like, so i actually you know i wrote down some ideas because with my cannabis shop i want to have um, places where people can smoke or consume psilocybin and so what uh, i we would should, we should share too we are in the state of illinois yeah. Um, and and uh, currently, that is a legal thing in the United in our state. Well, uh, for currently both recreational we're and working. Yeah, it is recreational and medical, but we're working on having places to consume indoors. Um, Bloomington, Illinois, was actually going to be the first place to have an indoors cannabis consumption they site. Didn't open because of COVID. Yep. Yes, correct. Yep. We got slowed down, so uh, we're waiting to see how legislation plays out in this upcoming year, as well as for them to open up and sort of. They're going to be the testing. They're I will say that's one of the good things JB Pritzker has done. Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was sort of the one thing that made sure that each side had people that were going to pull him. And, you know? and I think when when we're doing these studies and sitting down and Lily, I would love to understand the process more and get more in depth that. But when they're doing these studies, again, this isn't a very loose thing. I mean, there's studies upon studies and no, it's they're all not doing it like they're not doing it like the covid vaccine where it came out in january and they're already have it out to the public. We're talking phases <laughs> A, B, C and D. And that's before trial one, two and three. You right. Know what I'm saying? I mean, we now we have even prescription drug companies such as um, I think it's M. I can't think of it, but I'm going to find it by the end of the podcast. But uh, there's a prescription drug company that's already in phase two trials. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. You know what I'm saying? Stuff. They're already into phase two trials and they're a prescription drug, drug company, not including all the private companies that are in stage three trials. And, and they're seeing effects. OK, I mean. They're doing when they're doing like there's even people that are coming here. We go. Here's systematic the reviews. It's a Teva Pharmaceutical Industry LTE. Their NYSE is TEVA, um, and that is that is a company that is currently one of the big four pharmaceuticals, and they are actually moving in and getting into the psilocybin and psychedelic market. Um, and this, they're Israel-based pharmacy giant, um, and they they've declared as of uh, what is this as of. June 4th, 2020, they are fully in the, the psychedelics game. One of the titles I read of an article I read was uh, A Systematic Review of Psychedelic-Assisted Psychotherapy for Mental Health, an Evaluation of the Current Wave of Research and Suggestions for the Future. Okay, This is where they're going into in-depth studies on what the current practices are of even doing these studies and going through and making sure that there's quantitative results nice. that indicate that psychedelics can significantly reduce clinical outcomes associated with these mental health conditions. Okay. They are seeing results and outcomes, and that's yeah. that's what's so important. And that's now why I think we're seeing these big drug companies start to enter in 
because they're seeing it right and if you but you know what's scary about those big drug companies coming in is that they're going to take over and they're not going to have what's best for the people but what's best for their own interests and what's best for making the most amount of money well, that's what we're seeing with the cannabis exactly industry why, and, and as well and that's exactly why i don't think big drug companies should have this this thing no i, think this I don't be think a slow so at process. all i think so too because this should be released very slow so that we're making sure it's 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 being in good hands like chad was saying you know it, it's being done right. It's so, not. Lil, I want to go back to this before we yeah. keep going forward. How would it look? What is a way that that both people have talked about this going on and being done? And what do you think could be improved or things that we should talk about before we really have divulged into this mm. field? How should it go? Because a lot of this is a conversation of, well, this is how people have tripped in their private homes, and this could help. And a lot of it is, how do we tie it into Western culture and psychotherapy? Sure, like Lily, and I would love to maybe see your knowledge and like, what is what is maybe a psychedelic trip that's controlled look like, right? Nice. Okay, so my idea basically is just having a room since it's not regulated yet i don't know how the laws are actually going to play out but in my own head it makes sense that you reserve a space that the door locks and it's a controlled space where everything is maybe padded but not necessarily padded like a prison room you know and so people can go in and reserve a spot maybe there's a therapist in there maybe they're just outside the door and waiting if something happens and it's just a couple of people very close people they reserve so that you would pick right no, they if they want to trip and they put in the paperwork, they say, I want to work on this. This is something I want to go through. These are the people I want to have. Sure. Then it's just a pre-apply to then you work at the you look at their paperwork. You, you make sure. Yeah. And you make sure that they have a psychi- a psychiatrist, too, that there's going to be those type so of there's people on there hand to help. staff that's professionally trained to take care of it. Yeah. And but the idea is, you know what I think, though, with cannabis, when you get your medical cards, you have to have your um, therapist and then you have to have a doctor that you go to and they sign. And sure. so I think it should be the same type of concept th- where you're seeing a therapist for a long time. What I wouldn't agree with like rolling it out. I think we're still far from it being in a, in a public setting. I still no, think I think it is still very far from that. But I, I, I think, think we're five as of years, now, I think how eventually it would play out. And once yeah. it's very, but right now we're doing even study, these studies that are controlled. There's, there's someone, maybe not like a medical professional, but an assistant they in there, right? It, the idea Do is you called wanna... an attendant. An Have attendant, you... right. And these attendants, like these these studies that are done, if they it, they won't even take the results of the patients if they move at all. Right? Yeah. You have to be in a complete still environment. It's being controlled very well right now. And it doesn't even have to be a controlled environment, but we can hit back on that just for how to use psilocybin. But um, were you asking about immediate of how it's going to play out once it's become legalized where people can use psilocybin right or just when it's to like more open to the public right now and how yeah. that looks? So. The testing is more of like you were saying. You have a participant in the room as long as with someone else that you're you're comfortable with. We could get rid of the that assistant. You think? Yes, I think I think what we're seeing and what we from the research I've done is in stage trials now. A lot of what's happening is you're at your home actually, and it's an in-house physician and or an attendant that you assign that joins you. You're given a dose from a psychiatrist or therapist who comes to your house. They then are optionally allowed to stay and or the psychiatrist leaves, but you are left with a caretaker and attendant. And what's supposed to happen is the person lays down, they take the dose that was requested, and they start a process or something. So that's where the Western medicine might come in. You might set up or create a process or a phase that they go through during their trip to make sure that they get the illicit effects or the illicit emotional response that they want to cure out of it. Then you let them just go. And you really are there more holding their hand 
And and if they squeeze you, it might mean that they're scared or they're bracing for a tough moment. And at that point, you're there and you just squeeze back. And it's just showing care and allowing the person to basically live and exist in their own space. And sort of that's the thing about this, too, that I think is so interesting. SSRIs and psychotherapy thus far is about dealing with it with someone. Psychedelics and plant medicine might be the first opportunity to deal with something on your own. And I think it allows people to do that. I think it's in a situation for depression and stuff like that. It allows you to have this different state. And when you gear it towards even with as far as these these things, right, these patients that are going in there to get these psychedelic treatments are also having an additional additional counseling after that to talk through their problems and help and help realize different ways to look at life. You know what I'm saying? And be optimistic. And I think that combined thing is very is very is very powerful. But one of my big things, I guess I have a question for you guys is. Now that I think again, if we rush into commercialization, I think we're we down do for some wrong. big problems. Correct. And yeah. how do we now make sure that maybe big pharma and stuff like that is not the one being in the supply you know, chains, or is it already too late? It's, I it's, feel like it I might be too late, just because it's you. so hard to I control big you. companies. Because a lot of people don't know what's going on. A lot of people, even if they know what's going on, they just feel so c- helpless that they don't think they can do anything. Money, really. it, for them, it comes down to the government and mm. putting in regulations. But big pharma basically runs the government, so there's no way to even do anything. Sure, and I think I think that this is a case of if you can't beat them. Join them, them and you join them in hopes and anticipation that when you join them, they allow you to have creative vision and are just the partner with the money yeah. and the resources. And, and you would hope for that. And but you I need just, to. I, when you approach them, you need to make sure that you're you're doing it in a way where you're leveraging your processes and your knowledge and your research. So that way they because they have the money and they can get in this at any day. And they're there to, to make thing, more when money. We, when we, we, we often put inflation from these big pharma companies. I mean, these are plants you can get from all around the world. Like they that's exist. That's interesting, they grow. though. You know what I'm saying? Do that's we think, it, like, I think this can be at a, a at a very affordable rate. I don't think you need to have these excessive, but again, you're going to oh, pay no, for that yeah. research. But I, I'm thinking eventually this could become like kind of like a Tesla thing where it's going to be, so, the transportation will be so cheap. I and think so I, this is going to beat out big, big pharma's terrified because plants like this are duplicatable and so easy to grow and so easy to take. You don't need to go through a whole lab to process it. You can just go from ground to mouth. And big pharma and, is and the one big that pharma is terrified because that market cap, the market cap and the ratio of return. They're going to you know, lose the so much money product, because of all of the products they put in for antidepressants like you were talking about at the beginning. All those drugs that they're putting money in for, it can be solved by cannabis. It can be solved by LSD. It can and be solved by thing. I think one of the main things, too, is because I've looked into the, you know, the well, even along with Chad, we've looked into the whole um, Elon Musk Neuralink stuff, right? But the same things that the, we're saying those neural links can fix, there's there's even research to show that psychedelics can change those things mm-hmm. stuff, right. as far as cancers and uh, this is a great point Alzheimer's I wanted and to... like all that kind of stuff. If we can use a natural thing from the earth yep. to fix those things rather than any controlled or handmade thing, isn't that the best way to go natural, right? You might ask why in the short term this needs to happen. The reason this needs to happen in the short term is because we need to show our federal government and our and our local agencies that, hey, we're all fucking adults here. These are plants, and we need to return. I wrote this idea and this concept down. We need to return 
decades before how we were, like in Asia when we discovered it, we need to return to plant medicine. Because do you know how many species of plants outside of even the psychedelics we're talking about or that we've discovered thus far right. could help I mean, and could have benefits? Insulin was found on a piece of bread on accident <laughs> in a literally, laboratory. <laughs> literally. So I mean, why are we criminalizing? I mean, exactly. 1978, how is, exactly. how is LSD? LSD. 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 I'm sorry. I didn't <laughs> You're mean, fine. You're fine. Um, how is that even able to be criminalized? Like, you're, we, I mean, there's been millions he of people that have gone to jail so hard that to have gone to jail legal. just for cannabis. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is that acceptable? Okay, and so now it's, you, you know think how we might be ranting too. the Hispanics, it was the war on drugs it, because of racism is the same thing. Now, um, the African-Americans in this country are being totally, uh, what's the correct word for what I'm trying to say? I would say, um, Br brutal, brutalized. No, no. I would say, are you trying to say that they're being ignored in the Incarcerated. They're being incarcerated oh, you're for. Saying, you're saying the rate of return on incarceration yeah, comparatively from to white whites to for just African Americans use. is insane for oh, cannabis. Yeah. yeah. Sure. It's the just a race too. war. If you, if That's you, uh, all it is. If you look at the data, there was. I here, wouldn't say it's all, but I'll link it. But um, most of it, it's a w it's a war on money and it's a race war. That's really what it is. When you see these big companies coming in and making it extremely hard for anyone without any cash to make it, and there's no, um, there's going. sorry the mic or the headphone cut out, yes, but there's no. Um, I lost my rant. <laughs> you were talking about um, the studies done between arrest rates and incarceration rates between blacks and whites i don't know it's gone <laughs> all right that's totally okay but uh i wanted to keep going on on this idea of the depression and i wanted to and i wanted to cite a little bit here of what john hopkins had done so in one of their studies they conducted they had 51 cancer patients half of the patients were given a placebo meaning a non-psychoactive psychedelic that they were thought they were taking and half of the group was given a non-placebo they were actually given psilocybin and then in the study they broke it down to small dose and high dose and the rate of return and the study quite literally cites saying those who received a high dose of psilocybin not the placebo showed better outcomes aka meaning anxiety better outcomes with dealing with depression and long-term results in actually being able to cope and move on from it it's interesting too because during the test they had their brain their brain scanned and you could totally see a difference in the brain activity as well and it was everywhere in the brain whereas the placebo was just in the prefrontal cortex and speaking on um different illnesses it helps with um psilocybin actually really helps with ptsd as well because it really helps you look at the matter in a different light and it really helps you just accept what happened and it doesn't well, it necessarily get rid of it. look at but the situation from a different perspective. Exactly. I think when you're doing intriving with, with psychedelics, you're able to see, see and realize. And I think that's where even psychedelics, it gives that vision of hope for someone, mm -hmm. right? To see that there is something beyond that. Um, and I think then having a counselor after that to talk about that and guide your thoughts, I think it can be very, very helpful. And I think we've seen that be very helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. No, I think I think a long term goal of this, and I, I might have already said this, but making sure that we are 
unscheduling these substances so others don't feel afraid to go out, explore, find new species of plants, and be doing more studies and finding new things. Because I, I don't think we've at the we've same used time the they're doing it in a safe way because they're informed and they know how right. to do it. You know, the one thing that I think school failed us on is they said stay away from this stuff, don't do this stuff, but then they didn't say why. Yeah. They said it a little bit, but it was just it seemed like it was too much, like it wasn't real. You know, with cannabis, they're like, stay away from it. It makes your inhibition and go this down. All comes it makes back all this other bad things happen. And, and that's this not all true. It comes back to, I mean, 1950s, 20 years before they criminalized this, there was lots of research being done to psychedelics. Okay. It's people that block out, and there are bad people in this world. And unfortunately, I, I mean, you're never going to be able to change that, uh, which we hope eventually. But again, it comes back to that. We could have been so far along with this stuff, and it's, it's being misguided. And I think just like going through the school system, right? They misguide you. Mm-hmm. I think something that we don't... And, and we try to always go down one right way. Yes. Like it's, it, it's a very like... Yes. The life we live in, it's like whoever governs you, you is the right way. You are talking about something I really wanted to hit during this episode. And it's what these psychedelics really pe- make people do. And it's something that we don't do in the United States and schools don't teach us. And that is facing your fears. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do that? Like I think that's really why the people get through it. Because psychedelics... They break your walls down. They take you to a place where you are so vulnerable that you are afraid of the idea and the conception of being matter in this world we live in to the point where vulnerability is the biggest fear that you face. Therefore, anything that you faced before all of a sudden becomes a method and, and a way to cope with what the unknown is. Sure. It's it's crazy. Do you think uh, – do you think that maybe in the United States, fear or having open discussions about fear in our lives is something we don't do enough? Oh, and do you I, think psychedelics I think, I are think, really just doing that? I I don't. I think growing up in an American society and I not knowing any other societies or cultures, I think in America we Talk make about people facing fears. Yeah, facing fears, or let's say you're scared about something, right? Everyone's just there to comfort you right away instead of finding ways and solutions to deal with your problems. I mean, there's a reason why I'm at where I'm at with my businesses. It's because every time I had a problem or a situation, I didn't let it bring me down. I found ways to cope with it, get around it, and keep moving. In 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 America here, we just try to go and comfort people, and oh, it's okay. You no. know, I it's funny you say that because I find the uh, adverse effect. I think that people mm. in America are really just harsh and rude, and they just go after you. And if you are like a little sparkling sunlight they just fucking take their foot and crush it <laughs> especially in the school system with children nowadays and the electronics and all that people are brutal uh, that's a big point that i think we miss is just mm. teaching our kids how to be kind well and that's one of the other things and too. i feel I like mean, psilocybin I, I will point, definitely help both. with that it'll bring more humanity to humans yeah and i think that humanity comes only after you face adversity or fear Sure, yeah. and I think one of the main things, like you said, okay, yeah, that's very true. There are people that are going to stop on you and, and, and gut-wrench you, but you've got to raise your kids, and, and I think a large effect of how people grow up is how they're raised. I think that's you what know, it comes back to. It's but I think also, too. like you were saying, when you're getting stomped on, I just want to finish this point, when you're getting stomped on, y- you need to be, you know, you know, when you're growing up, you should be t- taught how to react in those situations. So that's where I say, sure, people always come to comfort, but I think if you were raised differently to deal with those situations and look at life differently, mm. we wouldn't even need to have that ability of comfort because those little problems that now you're feeling like, oh, wow, this is a big weight on my shoulders, really were never a big problem. I think a lot of people try to make the, these littlest mistakes. I mean, 
you could not be here the next day, right? What's the point in stressing over something so minimal in your life? Not everyone realizes that, though, in the moment when they're stressing. And I think that's what you got to keep reminding yourself. And I think that's like with me, I'm such a strong-headed brain, and I try to constantly keep reminding myself of things. So, again, it's the environment you're around. You just need to keep that little voice in your head constantly going because there's other thoughts that come in. And I think sometimes when we lose that voice, psychedelics can be that voice that voice yeah is at the forefront and that's why psychedelics is a lot like meditation that's why when you meditate you're able to think clearly Mm. it's the same type of process yeah and i think right now there's just so many contributing factors to pushing you down like you're saying Mm -hmm. right like there there are so i'm able to like that's just being like it's hard to be a strong-headed person and 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 keep that extra voice in your head constantly and i think because there's so many things that are constantly keep pushing you down you just were never raised to deal with those things. So I think part of that was for I, honestly, just with my own personal experience, it's it's how you're raised and how you can start to deal with those issues. But I'm not saying what your your point is co- completely correct now, because how a lot of people have come up and been, been raised, we need to comfort them. But again, people never I don't think direct or comfort the right way. A lot of you have to show you have to comfort someone, but allow and see the vision for direction and that there is a possibility to get around this. Can I ask you a question? Sure. So school started a long time ago and schools actually are the most interaction that kids get with their development stages. It's the place that they are at the most. It's really who shapes people. Um, And that's sad. But so I want to ask is, do you think the world was kind before school came in? So then children were just around each other and children were mean to each other. Mm, I think they were less aware of things. I don't think they were aware of as many things. And I also think back then there wasn't enough Again, I, I think technology and how this stuff has all come along, this could have been very good. And I'm saying it hasn't been good. A lot of these things we've created could have been good. But there's people that turn these good things They've bad. They've been male manipulated. Yes. So I'm saying all those things. I, I also don't – I'm not going to say that it was better back then because you also weren't aware, aware of so many other things. and You didn't have mm-hmm. guidance in certain directions. And I think – those are two. I just mean ta- the school itself. Do you think it had an effect on the psychological mind into becoming a harsher human in general because of growing up with kids? Like, say, someone grows up being constantly bullied, and say that's what the scenario was after these kids started getting to school, and then kids started being mean. Do you think if kids never had to go to school, if they were just inside their house, or would that be another topic for another day? Hmm. Okay, I, I may not be understanding correctly your point you're trying to make there, but what I think of, I guess, is uh, when I think, okay, so my grandma and how she was raised in school, when you think back, you know, schools were more harsher well, with their disciplines. before right? that the children yeah. are around their parents and that's who decides what their traits are going to be, where that's not necessarily true that when you go to school, that usually determines the person you're going to be. Right, so like the other thing too, I guess well, I'm not maybe following that point exactly, but what, I'm, what I am kind of getting from this is like for me, when, when I think about it, school back then was harsher and there was a lot more discipline within schools, right? So now we're making this topic of there was a point of where now we have to comfort kids. But I think, I mean, people have come so much far developed. When I look at someone like my grandma or any, any you know, these older, these older ages, right, and these people that have been grown up in different times th- – their ability to think and react to situations is different. So I think maybe harder discipline is right, but it's got to be the correct discipline, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I want to I change topics here yeah. for a little second here. Um, 
I want to get into the idea of our next administration coming into office and what that can mean. Do you guys think, or let's let's hypothetically have a conversation here for a second on the idea of the scheduling of our drugs currently, and do you think that's going to shift with our new administration coming into office? You know, do you think that this will be decriminalized? Do you see it going full to recreational? Do you see minuscule steps? What do you guys think? I was really excited when Biden was getting in because I thought that it was going to be a revolution for cannabis and all these other drugs to really start getting the research and the backing and to really start playing into our society mm -hmm. more. But the more I think about it, the more I'm really thinking that maybe cannabis will be legalized medically but everyone who uses it recreationally ends up using cannabis medically in some facet so or some form so i think that cannabis should be recreational in the sense that it will become medical eventually so if you just make cannabis medical right away i think that's most likely how it's going to be become federally legalized by joe biden and Kamala so do you Harris. think we're on a, a small ladder step track where each I step think is so like i thought we were going to be i would full say blown, I, but now i would I'm say our about current it. politics are complete crap I don't think you're going to see any of these goals or hopefuls we have. There's too many you bad people in place. And I think that's where us as young people need to step up and make this huge exactly. change. That's we need to have a revolution of a the change only because thing there's, there's too much change. bad guidance. I mean, when you think about it, sure. The, I mean, any administration you think of, okay? How do there's you... so many loopholes of these yeah. companies to get in. Yeah. I mean, our government policies and systems – they need to be updated. None of them are. I mean, the Constitution should is not even rewritten, and it's said I, in the it Constitution. It was literally written in there to rewrite this thing. <laughs> like, Every fifty I, so the, or a hundred years was it? I, it was a uh, hundred, I believe. But the point. I mean, the point is we're that we're even trying to relate these topics to this government. It's because we've all just been. Uh, you like? I mean, we've been. This is our route, right? We've been used to it. This is the only thing we know. When but you think down, change in, in, is in, scary. Uh, change is scary, but it needs to happen. Yeah, because if you but allow, that's why a lot of things aren't changing is because people are scared of it. People are afraid to see what's new and to Tom see right. what Jefferson works better. Said the Constitution should be rewritten every nineteen years. Nineteen. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, if wow. you look at policy, okay. So, and here's the other big topic. You know, I mean, was, when you that look was at back in the 1700s, <laughs> even with your even with your safety, even with your safety, right? And you you have people that bring out the points: defund the police, right? You why would you? Okay, I'm not saying the police system is correct. I'm not saying that. But you if you're gonna right if you're gonna make sure that if your house is getting broken into, there's no cops. No, here's the money. point. Here's the point, bro. It doesn't matter. About it should that. change. It doesn't matter. It should it needs, be rewritten. No, it needs, no that, I'm saying policies for police conduct and how that kind of stuff. That is, should. It, that's it what should I'm be saying. all be changed. Right. If you defund it, that's not changed. There's no money to be changing it. You're <laughs> now, like I mean I don't even understand that. That doesn't right. even make sense. But we can you, talk about that on a totally. another podcast for sure. Completely. And um but yeah, I mean it, it's just like bringing up governments and all kind of stuff. We're relating to something. We're like we want this change, but there's too that. many bad people in the way of us making those changes. Yeah. Right? And and, and yeah, that's just I mean that's a whole other subject we mm -hmm. can go into. But sure. just understanding that the world we're living in right now, but there's so much people that are that are misleading everyone, right? Yeah. And people are too scared to stand up to that of, of what anything they believe in, right? So then they live in this small circle of a world. 
That's a great perspective. So I, I definitely see where you're going at there. So I think w- that's interesting. We got two perspectives. We got you think it could potentially happen through cannabis first, but then slow, gradual steps. You see a different perspective, maybe where it's a little more, hey, our administration is going to be at a standstill. They're a big talk, not really much done. I think I I'm, just think I'm we're going to go. Like, of I mean, I don't. Big- I think what we'll see is, I think we could see an administration where executive order happens to make sure that these are non no longer Schedule One, but I don't think they will be fully decriminalized. I think they will be lowered down to a schedule where the FDA can regulate them for science right. research. But I think we're commercializing it again too fast. I agree. That's, that's, that's the big that's point. That's a big point here. I okay, think for that's us where to, we're going to be going wrong in the wrong direction again. Okay, that's. I would rather not have any psychedelic research go further if until the governments are changing. Yes, if we're, it's going to go ethical. through the current government because it's not going to be an ethical practice. Yeah, yeah, you're entirely right. I I think one thing too here is. It's not to be defeated from this. There are things that we can do as people and as young citizens to make this type of change. You can be contacting your local officials. There are apps and softwares out there that let you n- speak to your uh, representatives often and in, and in an informed manner. people manner. aren't aware. I mean, those Here, are the let me, things. Let me give a shout-out and a plug to this app. Yeah. I wanted to give a shout-out actually to DMT, the spirit mo- molecule. It is a documentary hosted by Joe Rogan, and it features uh, Dennis McKenna, who is a founder and grower of psilocybin. And there's actually a um, a convention in uh, Wisconsin, Madison, Wisconsin. It's Consciousness, Consciousness Forum. It has a lot of um, information. What is that convention? Is it annually or is it a one-time it's convention? It's annually. It, I believe it's we'll in the spring. I can't remember what month exactly, but it has more information about psychedelics and the research and practices that they're coming to now. And Probably if you really like just want to learn more, and more. Yep. Big deal. I think one of the big things, again, I, I, I'm more of a guy that I think we need to change huge world issues. And I think there's plenty of people in this world that are in positions to make a change. And for me, if, if you're in a position to change the world, to help those who need you most, why would you not? I feel right? like you the can problem choose to live is, an everlasting change or you can remain the problem. The problem I mean, is there we don't is have ways. the right people in power. We have well, the exactly. right positions of power to do that. We just don't have the right people in those positions. Well, and, and again with that, and even there's private people. There's private networks with people with the amount of money. Okay. A lot of money exactly. changes. People. I mean, you're seeing Kevin O'Leary. He just he just invested in Mind Medicine, one of the leading players in the psilocybin space. In the and US. there's more people like Kevin Leary that could be donating. I mean, again, like I said, you're not promised tomorrow. But if you right. can leave an everlasting impact for a world, the better. Why would you not? I think we need to call out on even considering the private sectors. We need people need to have more of a voice. That's what we were all upon when we created this country. So we're talking about that voice and how you as a listener can get out and really make sure that you're being active in your community. Here's how you can do it. There's apps like Cause, which Cause is an app that connects you to your local senators and representatives of your state. It gives you contact information and lets you know ahead of time what they'll be voting on. If something like this comes up for psychedelics or you want to make sure that they're aware of this and are pushing for movements like this, you can contact them. Be making your voice heard. They're here to represent you and listen to you no matter your age, no matter if you vote or you can't. You want to know why? Because if you can't vote now, you're the future of their seat. You are going to be the one who can vote soon and who is going to matter. So talk to them. Get out. Do that. Read legislation bills. Read legislation. Okay. When you see something. Social media. Talk to your others. You know, just have open and liberating conversations. Ask questions. When you see topics, it's not just a headline. 
I mean, when you see a bill, the amount of stuff that gets passed in them that people don't even realize. Because no one they, reads bills, Durling. It was like over 155 pages for the bill for the next COVID relief that, that didn't go through recently. I mean, the amount of stuff that's in there that is ridiculous. And off. when you realize this stuff, people like want these changes, right? And no one looks at the financial stability behind it. Someone's got to pay for it, okay? You're either paying for it down the road in your taxes, right? Or the same thing with if we defund the police, like I was saying on that topic, well, the, these police standards, they still have to hold up to something. So guess who's end up, ending up paying for this? The people that live in those towns and counties. They're, they're going to have to pay for it, those forces. So now guess who's going to get taxed to pay for this? these changes? You instead of the government. I would say that if you don't know how to read legislation or laws and stuff like that, I would definitely recommend having your phone by you and just looking up every single word and then rewriting the sentence or yeah, that you don't anything. understand to try just, that's what I do read it 15 it. times. By the 15th, you'll comprehend something in there. That's well, definitely some, what I do because thing. A lot I have of people, a hard time understanding laws. Like what was some, something that was really beneficial for me is when I started reading books, if <laughs> which you just recently Hell, yeah, <laughs> yeah let's I mean, give some that context was, that was just recently but that that also okay i mean if we want to touch on books i think knowledge is key guys yeah. all of our listeners you need to read just like this is not we're not Ty Lopez here but <laughs> kind of right when he fucking says that okay i think one of the things i was actually telling jake one of our good friends um and he actually works for my company as well um he'll be on yeah he will be he will be awesome but i was telling him last night i was like um I'm going to say, but, oh, I lost the train of thought. But basically, w my point was, I don't even remember. You were what talking was I to Jake last night. No, I know, but before that, what was I tracking? Uh, were you trying to inspire him or something? No, knowledge. Okay, knowledge, yeah. right? Our NEMT business, right? We read one book, one book by the man named Joel Davis. Um, it was $99. If you, that $99 we spent, I think, actually allows my business to make millions of more dollars a year than I planned before, okay? When I read the book, my first book, which I actually read, I mean, I when I went through school, again, that's why I just, I, I when I grew up through the school system, I didn't really take it seriously. I didn't, I mean, there were great fundamentals you get along with that, but I saw past a lot of that stuff. And again, I think that needs to be updated. But reading that book, it, it gave me knowledge. It allowed me to look at life differently. So if you if you if you're if you're constantly seeking knowledge, you're gonna get smarter. People are, I mean, that's the only way. If you're seeking knowledge, that's the only way you're gonna get smarter. Or personal experiences, hands-on experiences. That's how you're gonna get smarter. And if you don't take those actionable steps to be more knowledgeable, well, that's your own fault. I mean, <laughs> some people are intimidated though about learning and just going through that and process. You have to find what you're. You have to find what you're interested about. And then, like what I'm, what I was going on in the point is when I'm reading through a book. If I don't know a word, Look I don't, I don't just read annotate. past it. I look up that word to understand what the definition is, so I can be more an intelligent speaker and speak properly, right? Be more educated, right? Be I, I by just understanding what that new word means, it opens my mind up to so many different things, and it also un lets you you're able to understand the context of the book. Uh, but, you know, those are just brief subjects. I think there's a lot we can dive into. And I think uh, this first episode, it's been it's been really exciting. I think this is a topic we could still expand on. Um, but, uh, you know, thank you, Lily, for joining today. Yeah, uh, yeah I want to thank Lily for joining us today. And, and, and just to wrap it up here, let me let me let me close in our topic and our discussion here. This is a conversation about making 
instrumental and monumental change, not only in the way that we view medicine and we view plants and we view our connection to earth, but the way we view our connection to each other and our connection to mental health and our connection to lasting and impactful change, whether that be personal or that be social change. Um, this is an industry with a current market cap over 277,000.9 million in 2019 alone. There's projected growth of upwards of 600 or 6,859.95 million dollars by 2027 is projected to have that much growth. For an industry with that much potential, it is key that when we're talking and discussing this, we're doing it in a way that is both ethical, respectful to the human, respectful to the plants, and respectful to mankind for long term for our kids generations and everyone moving past and it's important moving forward that this is something that happens with both social normalities and the importance of doing it in a way that is accepting and not like ssris or current practices from our pharmaceutical industry um in short we want to thank you guys again for coming out yeah, and, and i want to leave a humanistic you guys perspective you know with one last thing i think if you could take away anything right or have any hope be honest with yourself. Be nice. We're all people. We're all here together. And educate yourself. If you can do three things, do that. Be nice, be honest, and educate yourself. Uh, what a great episode. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, guys. I can't wait to help with the cannabis industry and the psilocybin industry and really just get it started in a healthy way. And that'll close out. Uh, humanist per- Yep, make sure to follow us on Instagram one. at the humanistic perspective at a humanistic perspective and uh, make sure to uh, find us reach out and let us know how you're liking the program have a great day thanks Bye, guys folks.